to the Hope for the Animals podcast, sponsored by United Poultry Concerns. I'm your host, Hope Bohannock, and you can find all our past shows by going to our website, hopefortheanimalspodcast.org, and you can find my contact information there as well. Happy holidays to everyone. So today on the podcast, for the end of the year and for holiday time, we're going to do something a little different, a little special, and I have my husband and best friend, Kojin, joining me for our conversation today. Kojin and I have been together 21 years. This will be our 21st Christmas together, and both of us have been vegan for longer than that. And over those years, we've had we've had numerous animal encounters, but sometimes those animals have been in distress, and we have jumped into action to help them. So we want to share a few of those stories here today. So a little about Kojin, he has his master's in Buddhism and his PhD in Eastern religions with an emphasis on Hinduism, and he teaches at a Jain academy. So he's very knowledgeable about all three Dharma traditions, and he teaches and translates Sanskrit, which is an ancient Indian language. And this has always been his passion. Ever since we've been together, he has had his nose buried in an an uber-thick old book that's half in Sanskrit. (laughs) So that's his happy place. Kojin has assisted me over the last two decades in my activism, and he has been there for everything, tabling, outreach, uh, helping in any way he can. He edits everything I write, and in fact, he co-authored our book. I often say my book, but it's our book. He is the co-author of The Ultimate Betrayal. And he also plays beautiful guitar and is an excellent cook. We, we've always lamented that we have just we have too many passions and didn't have the bandwidth to open a vegan restaurant because his food is incredible. I'm, I'm really the luckiest wife in the world in so many ways. So a quick announcement before we get into the conversation. I want to mention that I'm going to take a break from the podcast in January, and I will be back in February, early February. I've been doing this podcast now for 20 months straight during the pandemic, and I do it all. I seek out the guests, set up the interviews, record the interviews, uh, all the audio editing and production and promotion and on and on. It's it's really rewarding. I have loved it. It's been so exciting uh, to get into this new medium. It's been really, really cool to talk to all of you, but it is a ton of work. And I seem to always have numerous episodes in various stages of production, and I just I just need to catch my breath for a minute. And I also have a manuscript due for a book that I'm editing. It's the Humane Hoax Anthology that will be published by Lantern Media. And that manuscript is due very soon. It's, so it's exciting and I need to finish it. Anyway, I'm sure it will go by in the blink of an eye. And if you haven't heard all the episodes, there's 58 episodes that I've created. Maybe you can go back in the archives and listen to a few of the older episodes if you'd like to fill that time. They are all on our website, hopefortheanimalspodcast.org. And I'll be back in action in February. So just, just taking January off. 
back in action early February with new content, great interviews, and actually some other big news as well, but that will wait till, till February. Okay, and just a quick point of clarification, Kojin and I talk about how he was 100% raw food when we got together, and then I went raw with him. What we didn't say was that it was pretty short-lived. I was raw for about just, just under a year. Kojin was for about four years. Of course, we have been solidly vegan, enthusiastically vegan for all of this time, but just wanted to clarify that we're not raw foodists. That was kind of experimental. And and there's a very important distinction being that, of course, raw food, paleo, those are diets for personal health reasons. Veganism is not. Veganism is a justice issue. It's an environmental issue. It's a it's a boycott of a detrimental and destructive industry. It's it's much bigger than just a dietary choice. Uh, that could be more thought of as plant based, perhaps. But veganism has real world life and death implications for sensitive and sentient beings. Okay, so let's jump into our conversation. So theoretically, like I could say something really interesting right now. That would be the beginning of the show, right? Right? <laughs> theoretically, right. yeah. Okay, good. Well, this is fun. It's like you're you're all kind of blushy and nervous again. It's like we're on our first date. It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's, our, it's our first microphone date. Our first microphone date. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast, Kojin Bohannik. Why, thank you, Hope Bohannik. <laughs> it's so funny that you're here with me because you're always here with me when I am recording podcasts. You're just in the other room. Yeah, I'm like two feet away instead yeah. of like 30 feet away, I think. Right, exactly. And, and less walls between us. Less walls. There yes. are no walls. There are no walls us, between us. Technically. Uh, well, okay, so we're doing a little fun show, a little holiday show. Happy holidays to everyone, whatever your holidays are, whatever you celebrate. I uh, hope you're enjoying them. And um, we, so, okay, so recently, actually, someone asked us about our vegan origin story, like how, when we went vegan. And I always ask often ask my guests what their vegan origin story is and so this is fun what that we'll have like a different version of the same story maybe wait, wait. well that's that's what i'm thinking well, your your my vegan, my, my vegan origin your story. vegan origin story because well, mine's much older i mean i i went vegan about 10 years before we uh were in the same orbit so just so people realize we we got together 21 well yes we got together 21 years ago this will be our 21st Christmas together. But we were in the same circle of friends for years before that. We were 25 years, I think we've known each other. At yeah. least. Yeah, yeah. yeah, at least. Uh, I was dear friends with your sister and yes. I was over at your house. You late, know. late 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom's house. At your mom's house. Yes, <laughs> right. Exactly. Your mom's house. And uh, yeah, so, you know, so we have been in the same world for a long time, but we were both vegan when we got together. You went vegan before we got together, but, 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 but I was a meat eater when we first met. 
Were you? I was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't realize that. Well, I, was a, I was a lot of things when you first Well, met. yeah. <laughs> How far back in the origin story do we want to go? Right. Do we want to go to vegan origin story or the, the, the marital origin story? Well, I think that, but they kind of overlap a little bit. They because, do overlap. Yeah. Okay. So the question is then who tells the story first? So do you tell my vegan origin story <laughs> or maybe you tell the uh, marital origin story and that segues into my vegan or okay i'm just gonna let's just stick with the vegan okay. i think that's more interesting okay and at least for this audience maybe i don't know <laughs> if they care so much <laughs> well i mean i guess the, the the long and the short of it is you were friends with my sister so i, I was kind of in rough shape i had a hard adolescence when we first met um and you were friends with my sister and i kind of like like when you walked in the room, you were so sophisticated. And I was like, oh, and I looked up to you. And I kind of looked up to my sister as well, too, because she really kind of had her life together. She was going to college. She was doing good things. And she was hanging out with you because she was getting involved in activism. Um, you guys were doing some like Earth First kind of stuff. And you were um, doing environmental activism. You actually did Sonoma County Earth First. Yep. And I went to one of those meetings. Um, I just come off the road from a rainbow family gathering and I wanted to get my life together and I was going to do that by like you know getting involved in activism so um, I did go to one of those earth first meetings but the way it went down is it, it wasn't really so much about proselytizing on the part of my sister with veganism it was more of an antagonistic thing because my brother had already gone vegan you had been influential. My sister, who had gone vegan, so I had two siblings now who were vegan, mm. and uh, for me it was crazy. You know, it was like, no, we evolved to eat meat. Look at our canines. Oh, what would we do with all the animals if we, you know, like the, all those kind of things, right? Yeah. Like, you know, of yeah. course, I went through the list. Of what about protein? And I, I went through the usual list. Yeah. You know, and I just kind of. I was really trying to straighten my life out and I was getting involved in spirituality as well too. And of course, you can't read very much spirituality without coming across the importance of compassion. Mm. And so it kind of, I guess, kind of appealed to me, but it still seemed kind of crazy. But um, uh, I would argue- This is 25 years ago too. 25 years so, ago. It's yeah. not as crazy now. Oh yeah. There's no like <laughs> McDonald's impossible, you know, burger or whatever, you know. So um, I, I actually argued uh, with my siblings for about a year, about a year. Mm. I, I was convinced they were wrong and I showed them, demonstrated with the best reason that I could produce why they were totally wrong. Mm. But in the process, I had to get a job and I was looking for work. So I got hired at the uh, Turkey Leg booth. Oh, that's right. At the Renaissance Fair. Yeah. yeah. At the Renaissance <laughs> oh, Fair. Oh, those turkey legs. Oh, yeah. they were oh, so gross. Yeah. <laughs> so I would get up in the morning at about like four or five and drink about a pot of coffee on my way down to the booth. And they would put me in this like frozen sort of like tent weird room there was just frozen right it was like a, it was like a, it was a freezer it was like mm -hmm. a walk-in freezer that was portable or whatever in this room there would be floor to ceiling stacked boxes full of like blocks like frozen giant ice cubes filled with turkey legs yeah. and then they would give me an iron bar like a piece of rebar about a foot and a half long <laughs> and my job was to spend the day violently like attacking these turkey leg ice cubes <laughs> with a rebar, you know, piece of iron 
to break them apart so that I could give them to the cooks on the uh, on the barbecue out front. Yeah. And then in between that, every so often we sold like ribs and chicken too. So I'd have to like cut all the gore off mm. of the meat. And, you know, I was, just, I was just kind of like in this actively engaged debate year long with my siblings about, you know, the virtues of vegetarianism and veganism. And it just kind of got kind of hard to argue with it when you're immersed in meat mm. all day long. Wow. Vegetarianism starts to look pretty appealing. So the one job <laughs> perk, and I was pretty, you know, this is a very, very low wage job, so I had almost no money. But one of the job perks was that you could eat whatever you wanted from the booth for lunch. Mm. So I'd get like six pieces of meat, right? Mm. And I'd be sitting here like gnawing on this stuff, and it already looks gross because you've been in the back, like seeing the like, you know, behind the curtain sort of yeah. like the stuff nobody should see. <laughs> right. And so it's already kind of gross because of that. But as I'm like pondering my uh, my year long debate with my siblings, it, it no longer I just couldn't do it anymore. Here I was, I'd, I'd engaged with all the statistics. You know, everybody was reading uh, John Robbins' Diet for New America. So there was like the you know you could feed you know world hunger you know 16 pounds of grains equals one pound of beef. Like I mean, I knew those arguments by heart because I'd heard them from my siblings, mm. but they failed to persuade me. The thing that's why, like you know, logic doesn't really impel behavior yeah. the same way emotion or affect does. Yeah. Sensory data will hit you with such a force and vivacity that it'll cause you to act in even ways that will bypass your rational mind. Right. And that's kind of what happened to me. Mm. It's like all the logic in the world couldn't do it. But once I just deeply realized how absolutely disgusting eating meat was then that's kind of what turned me and mm -hmm. I never ate another piece of meat again. Wow. Yeah. So then moving on to veganism. So you went, that was vegetarian and. So it was, you know, I obviously knew that like, you know, milk was liquid meat, you know, and the eggs is basically the same, you know, like, I mean, I knew that from the onset, there was never this like revelation that, Oh, dairy is the same as me because my sister was already vegan and she already knew all that. She'd been preaching the, you know, diet for new America lines, which you were using for your vegan talks, by the way. Yeah, back then. I remember yes. your old <laughs> copy of diet for new America. You, you, you had like I highlighters, had highlighters everywhere. Every, you had yep. like, you know, flags and, mm -hmm. um, but that's, that's <laughs> in the future. Not, no, I'm not there yet. So what happened is, you know, I'd been reading a lot about spirituality and everything. Compassion was becoming increasingly important to me. And I'd been raised in this very sort of adolescent uh, machismo, you know, it's just very stoic, emotions were weakness, uh, anger, and, you know, and I, and I kind of came to realize that I sort of lacked a sort of ability to feel in general. Like I just, I, like my emotions just weren't there. I felt like a robot. And when I started reading about like compassionate to all sentient beings, you know, I was reading a lot of Buddhism back then. And, and I was just kind of like, how do I connect to that part of me that like, is pained when I see somebody else's pain. Mm. Like I didn't even feel my own pain. How could I feel somebody else's pain? Mm. Well, I eventually lived in a place that had little lambs next door and I would kind of make it a practice to go like look at them and try to connect with them and try to feel them with my heart rather than my mind. And in the process, uh, I would kind of like, uh, like almost shame myself for eating dairy. You know, one day I just couldn't do it anymore. And so it was kind of much more gradual, but it took me a year mm. from vegetarian 
Oh, that's not very vegan. long at yeah. all. Yeah, it wasn't very long. <laughs> it was four years for me yeah. between vegetarian and vegan. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, because I knew from the onset. Like, I think a lot of people go vegetarian and they don't realize. Right. They don't know. Yeah. What dairy, animal products yeah. are more or less the same or dairy products may even be worse. You know, I mean, like, they don't do that. But I knew that right off the bat because my sister indirectly through your influence. So that's like sort of the indirect Okay, uh, component okay. to it. So <laughs> well, I got a question for you now. Oh, so wait a minute. So what happened with me is I was just, like getting my life together. And so then suddenly I was like, like this Mr. Super, like a virtue guy, right? Like, yeah. like, like I went from like, you know, trying to get my life together to getting a job to being vegetarian to being vegan. I quit smoke and I quit drink and I quit, you know, those sort of things. Then I was like, this quitting thing is working pretty good for me. Why don't I just I don't know, quit eating cooked food because I'd been exposed to the raw food community and I went totally raw. Mm. And that's kind of where you entered more directly yeah. into the story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why it's so funny that you say things like that you, you know, didn't feel like you were a compassionate person and that you had to really work to be a compassionate person because when I first knew you, uh, when we were, you know, kind of in the same circle of friends, you were just this, I mean, to me, you were a shining, beautiful, white light, white knight of compassion <laughs> and virtue, you know, I mean, compared to everybody else. So it's just interesting that well, that's you funny took that journey. That's, that's when you first noticed me, but keep in mind that I already knew you for oh. probably about two or three years before that. And that's what you were to me. Oh. <laughs> wow. Right? Like, like okay. that, okay. that you, the, that me that you saw. That was modeled after after the you that I saw. Wow! Like when I first <laughs> met you, because remember I was pretty messed up back then. Yeah. And I saw you, and I asked my sister. I said, "Who is Hope?" And my sister said to me, "Forget it. She's way out of your league, and you were way out of my league." <laughs> but then after a couple of years, I managed to kind of get in your league. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and even beyond doing the raw thing, you know, that was, uh, and I was enamored of that. I was, I was yeah, so interested then the, then the in that. the tables were kind of turned. Yeah. They're like, whoa, who's like, this oh, raw food guy? Yeah, yeah. Whoa, yeah. raw food guy. Right. And then there's the sushi story, of course. Oh, gosh. We're going to do that. Well, we, we, we want, I wanted to get into the animal rescue animal stories. Rescues. So we could go on and on like this forever. That's I don't know if people genesis. find this interesting That's or not. That's the genesis. Um, so our, our marital, the, the thesis is our marital genesis story and my vegan genesis story are really interconnected. Yeah. The same. That's the cool part. Yeah. And, and the other cool thing, and this is, you know, doing the work that I do, you just don't know what your influence is. It's it's so hard to know sometimes. I mean, you hear from people and you're and I'm so grateful when I hear from people that, you know, that listen to this podcast and it affected their life uh, and, you know, changed their life and that kind of thing. But the cool thing to me is that my husband went vegan through my influence before we were even together. You know, or so really that, even hanging out. Right. But I will say one more thing if I can on this subject. Yes. That's how I fell in love with you. Okay. Because what made <laughs> me fall in love with you, by this point, I was Gandhi full on. Like, I mean, I like renounced cars. I wasn't yeah, buying things. I wasn't right. using toothpaste. I, I remember using, that. I would you, shower. You would shower outside, outside with a cold garden hose. I, oh my in God. the winter. In the, yeah, I remember In Camaker where it was yeah. freezing. Like I refused <laughs> to use hot water because it was beneath me. It was, it was, it was too damaging <laughs> to the environment, right? Like yeah. I was like full on Gandhi. Yeah. 
Yeah. And there was nobody like that, but you were. You were the. You were doing the activism, and the way I felt. Well, like, I didn't take old showers, but no, I was you did. Doing the, <laughs> but you were doing the activism yeah. that I aspired to, and I admired you doing all of this incredibly hard renouncing and uh, yeah, asceticism. Yeah. 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 Like you, uh, you and you admired my austerity. I admired your activism. And I often will tell people that I married my wife because she's the closest thing to Gandhi that I ever met. But the last thing I want to say about this <laughs> is your, your vegan talks, your vegan talks. Hope was doing vegan education since like 1997, 1998, mm -hmm. 1999. And it just, it blew me away uh, to come. I went to probably about five or six of these vegan talks years before we were even together. Mm. And I'll just never forget like that essence of who you are right now to really emotionally connect to the story and the plight of animals. You know, I'll never forget you with that, you know, diet for new America underlined with the <laughs> highlighter, the, the, the uh, Xerox, oh, yeah. like pieces of paper, then that zine that you had made at home just from like a Xerox machine and an exacto knife and Kinko's. Yep, yep. I mean, it was, it was, it was so endearing. Uh, and it's been really great to watch, you know, how that same essence of who you were then is only just kind of transformed in the information age. Yeah. Well, <laughs> cool. So I want to switch directions a little bit and talk about some animal rescue stories because we, over the years, have had numerous situations where there's been animals in trouble and we've jumped into action. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's you, or sometimes both of us. Uh, and, uh, and we have a few of these stories that I think would be fun to uh, talk about. And the first one, I think, is, would be the rabbit, the rabbit on the freeway. Let's talk about that one. Yeah. That was harrowing. Yeah. And uh, I just you didn't get my joke. Harrowing. Uh, from like uh, uh, I was actually pondering that we've never named that rabbit. Why we didn't we... name that rabbit. And that's unusual for us because we yeah. name and random we... animals. We name all the animals around us all the time. And, and we name kitchen appliances. Yes. And, and yeah. <laughs> all kinds of things. But no. It's true. We never named that rabbit. I'll think he, about it. Yeah. He didn't want to name. Okay. He's too wild. He's too wild. Uh, so what was happening? Here's the story. We were driving down the freeway, 101, if anybody knows the Bay Area, coming from the North Bay into San Francisco, driving down 101, lanes of traffic. I mean, just like four, three, three or four lanes of traffic I think, I think going one four way. four or five at that Yeah, at I mean, that it's moment. huge, a huge freeway. It's right when Nevada's turn to San Rafael, so yeah, it's getting pretty thick. Yeah, really thick. Uh, going fast, you know, 70, 80 miles yeah, an hour, yeah. right? We're in the fast lane. And I don't know who saw him first, but there was a rabbit who was running between the median. There was like a, just a concrete, you know, five foot, four foot median and our lane of traffic, which was maybe like two feet. Yeah. Well, what had happened is because the construction on the freeway, there was no distance at all yeah. between the concrete barrier and our lane. Yeah. There was like there that wasn't a stripe. At yeah, all. there was like a stripe of white line. So that rabbit, I, I don't think he had two feet. Yeah. I think no, he had no. probably less than a foot. Yeah. And, and he's, he's just booking. Running he's running. As fast as he can. As fast as he can. And I thought if he makes one slight little change of direction, he's gonna hit a tire. 
Yeah, and you know how like that would be really weird for a rabbit to keep going straight yeah, and not straight. turn. Yeah. And they just you could see it any second now he was oh, gonna turn. It was so And he was going fast enough that we could see him for a minute mm -hmm. before like Yeah, well no, he, he yeah, he was running with us for a minute. Yeah, it was in our yeah. vi our view. Yeah. And we and were like, and then, and then we just blew right past him. And it's like, what do you do? We were like, oh my God, oh my yeah. God. We were freaking out. And I, at that moment, I was like, okay, he's dead. I mean, I have to just think about him as dead because there's no way he's getting out of that. You know, how is he going to get out of that alive? And I was like, okay, I just have to let go. That poor rabbit is dead. Yeah. And, but you... You were at that point getting over to the exit, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, it's like it's like <laughs> like what's the plan? Moment. Yeah, like what what do you do? What do you do? But you headed over through this thick traffic to the exit, and I remember at that time going, "Well, what what can we do?" And but we you like, just like we're kind of pulled on. over to the side of the road. We'd already passed him by about a quarter mile. Yeah, we, we time got, to the, got to the next exit and pulled over. Yeah, and then we got out of the car and we just were like, "What do we do? What do we do?" Yeah, we're looking we back. No I mean, plan. There was there was no way to get back to him. Yeah, and so I said, "Well, look, I'm going to take the exit." I'm going to cross over. I'm going to go back a mile and then come back and see, like, I don't know what, what I'm going to see, a dead rabbit. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, didn't know. I just yeah. said, I can't just walk away from this situation. And I love you for that because I had let go. I had been like, there's nothing to be done. I don't know what to do. And you were just like, no, let's, and, and luckily you were driving because you just kept taking, you know, taking the, the road back. So we we exited, took the overpass, went back to the next exit back, and we weren't even sure if we were behind the rabbit. We weren't sure where he was, right? Yeah, and so I just kind of repeated what we were doing. I went to the left lane, and yeah. we started driving, and yeah. damn it, that rabbit was, was still, still there. there. Was and still there, and I was like, there. he's there, he's there, he's there. So we slowed down, you slowed down, and slowed down, and slowed down, and we're and we slowed Actually, down. It felt like we got like we stopped pretty quickly to me. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess so we had to. Because, yeah, because we only had a second before we'd pass them. Right, so we kind of like right. so, so we're like 70, 80 mile an hour traffic, five lanes, tons of cars. Yeah, yeah. and it was like we're just gonna stop. Yeah, and so we just stopped behind this rabbit, and we were going as slow as the rabbit. Yeah. And finally, I was just like, just stop the car. Just stop. We have to stop traffic. And that's when I started jumping into action. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so you stopped the car. I jumped out and it was like, all I could do was think, I just got to stop traffic. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And so I'm, I'm waving my arms. I'm like telling people, stop, stop. And lane by lane, people were stopping. Yeah, yeah, you managed to do it. I and I don't know, know what you, you were doing. What were you doing at that time? I, I, was, I was wondering what the hell you were doing. <laughs> I mean, I was kind of stunned. I, mean, I was like, I got us this far. I don't know what's happening now. And I got out and I just started, and I watched the rabbit. I think that like what I was doing is, I was um the rabbit would run and I would get in the car and pull it up and you would walk and okay. you would like we were kind of jockeying a little bit with that yeah yeah and and I just didn't know what to do because the rabbit like he just kept going forward and I couldn't pass him yeah I just stay behind him and I just didn't know what the plan was yeah. how do you get inside the rabbit's head yeah. to, get to tell to him what to do or yeah. that it's safe yeah and then the real hero of the show well that's right 
That's right. It wasn't us. It was okay. So this crazy guy, <laughs> like, so we'd stop traffic. You know, there were still some cars creeping past, and it's cool. Actually, the neat part about that was like the bell curve. You could really see the yeah. bell curve of society. Yeah, you because had, there were people yelling at us. Five yeah, percent of the people giving us the finger and throwing things at us. Right. Ten percent of the people telling us how awesome we were, but not getting out to help. And most people just like whatever What's going crazy on? people what? playing in traffic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this fellow, he, he, he did a U-turn on like four or five lane freeway and drove oncoming into traffic so that he could stop yeah. the rabbit yeah. and get the rabbit to run off of the yeah, freeway. He, he was really, he helped so much. I, he, he stopped like three lanes without, of traffic. It wouldn't happen without He it. like did, he turned completely around Tur- and was facing the traffic. Drove head on. <laughs> Into 101 traffic so that he could stop. And that was and that was it. That was like, that's what we needed. That's what we needed. Yep. And right when he came up to that rabbit, the rabbit took a right turn. Yep. Headed towards the shoulder. Yep. And that's when everybody had stopped because of the sky. For, except for that last lane. And the last lane, the slow lane, people were still coming. And the rabbit there was that moment almost of slow got moment hit. Oh, where God, we're like, it, was, it was slow motion. Yeah, totally. He almost got hit, but he made Bam, it. Bam. And then he, he flew made off. it across the street. We couldn't believe it. It was. I don't think. It, it was I, a miracle. If you've never, like, saved an animal's life, I don't know, man. Like, that's, like, one of the biggest ecstasies that you can experience <laughs> yeah. it really is yeah, yeah we were crying we were high on yeah. just the just the whole scene was insane yeah. um yeah. but yeah it was beautiful it was beautiful it was that he made beautiful. it thank god he made it yeah it was a powerful moment and then, of course we like fell in that was like us renewing our marital vows so like, <laughs> that's, that's why we're together yeah like, we worked just, so well together yeah yeah well I we mean, were like read somehow, each other's minds yeah, right? like you somehow, did one thing i did the other yeah. thing and that's how we've been in these kind of situations is that like we suddenly seem to do what the other one can't and know what the other one needs like yeah. we somehow like lock into a unified conscious field totally <laughs> you know telepathic marital telepathy yeah it's amazing yeah it's pretty cool so rabbit lived rabbit survived Yes. We, he needs a name. Maybe somebody could name him. Send in your name suggestions for the rabbit. <laughs> uh, beautiful rabbit. All right. Well, let's move on to Frankie. This this little mm. animal we did name. Frankie was a little kitten that we rescued. And this one was fairly recently is when we first moved here to Elk Grove in yeah, we, Sacramento. We rescued him from Franklin Avenue. Right. That's why he was called Frankie. The clever name. Yes. <laughs> Which usually if there's a clever me- name, it means you came up with it, not me. <laughs> oh, I, I'm pretty much, I, I am better at naming things. So Frankie. So I used to walk outside. Uh, that has since changed since I got a treadmill and I love my treadmill. Uh, but I used to do this walk, uh, around the, it's, it's kind of like a Creek area, like kind of, they call it the Laguna. It's like, um, wildlife habitat, uh, beautiful area. But this one part, it, it comes right up on Franklin Boulevard, but it's very wooded. It's like, um, I don't know, what would you call that? Just kind of like wooded area down to a Creek basically. And chaparral maybe. Oh, is that what it's called? I think so. What does that mean? I don't know. Maybe I made it up. (laughs) So anyway, uh, so I was walking on my morning walk. I was getting some exercise and listening to a podcast, actually. I had my my headsets in and I could hear over my podcast this 
crying. I mean, it sounded like a baby crying, but I knew it was a kitten. Like I could immediately identify that it was some little kitten just crying. And I was like, what, where is that? So, uh, I looked around for him. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't quite find him. And then I saw him and he was way down in this gully, like down, you know, a really steep, very wooded, lots of trees and brush. But I was in this little clearing. I spot him and he was this little gray cat, little kitten, tiny, tiny. And he was just sitting there crying, just like, mah, mah, mah. you know, and I was like, oh, my God, what do I do? And I didn't know what to do. I kind of stayed with him. I called him. I tried to get him to come up. You know, that didn't do any good. I stood there. I must have stood there at least, you know, 15, 20 minutes or something before I even did anything because I just didn't know what to do. I had a couple of people passed by and I even said, I like I, this guy passed by and I remember going, there's, there's a kitten. Oh, uh, uh, what? <laughs> it was like your, your universal translator. You were translating what the kitten was saying. Yeah, right. Him. Exactly. Right. Oh, <laughs> help, help. I know. And the guy was like, uh, uh-huh. And he just kind of walked by me. <laughs> like, I don't want to tell you lady. Um, so I didn't know what to do. So I started making calls and I called some friends that are in the area. And I was like, you know, what do I do? Is there a, what's, cause, cause we were new to the area too. So I didn't know what the, the humane societies were like. I didn't know any of the rescues. I, I, I felt very helpless. And, uh, finally I called you. Well, I, I believe you called me about three times. Yeah. I don't think it was till the third call that I actually like came out and did something. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I just, I still was, wasn't sure if I should just leave him because I thought, well, maybe, maybe his mom's somewhere and his mom will come back yeah. or something. I, I, I just wasn't sure what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like when, when you first called me, I got, you got, I got the call and you told me the whole thing and you were distressed. Was I? <laughs> Well, yeah, and then it kind of like, you know, kind of kicks me into a mode of like, you know, what do I do? My wife is distressed, yeah. you know? And, 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 and you were like, uh, who should I? And then we kind of talked about it, and you'd be like, okay, I'm going to call this person. And you hung up and yeah. called this person. And like right. 10 minutes later or whatever, 15 minutes later, you called me back. Yeah. Same thing. Like, yeah. oh, and then they're going to call back, and I don't know who's then. They weren't open or whatever it was. Yeah. And finally on the third one, you were like in tears. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I now I'm remembering. I, I got I got so upset because I just didn't know what yeah. to do, and the poor little thing had not stopped crying. Well, I think you're. I mean, it was like an hour at that point, yeah, and he and had just concerned. been nonstop crying. Yeah, and your concern was that he was just going to run into Franklin Boulevard, which is well, a massive yeah. street, and he's a silly little kitten. Yeah, yeah. Know? I mean, he was. Uh, yeah, he was so close to this very, you know, very big freeway. But I couldn't get to him was the thing. It was just such thick brush. I couldn't get to him. Uh, I didn't know what to do. And so yeah. then I was just like, okay, well, I'm coming. Like, I yeah. didn't, again, no and, plan. <laughs> yeah, and I wasn't really asking you because I know you were working and you yeah. were busy. But I was so glad you were like, okay, I'm, I'm on my way. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> I need another brain on this. We got to, you got to do something. Um, and you had the brilliant, brilliant, one of the rare moments, one of, the of, rare moments of brilliant ideas genius. about. <laughs> will go down as one of my most genius moments in life. <laughs> Anyway, you had the brilliant idea to get a little nutritional yeast because you knew kitties love it. We've had kitties in the past that have loved nutritional yeast. Uh, what, what even made you think of that? 
I don't know that I really thought about it. I was just like running out the door. I'm like, keys, wallet, nutritional yeast, let's go. Oh, really? That's amazing. Because I, 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 I wouldn't even thought. I, I would literally, I, it was just a total impulse. And wow. I didn't even know what the plan was. Like, what am I going to do with the insurance? I just grabbed it. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing because it ended up being essential to the to yeah. the to the rescue yeah, so, yeah. so 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 i get out there yeah right and yeah. you're like looking all distressed and i look at what's going on and you're standing on the sidewalk of this major boulevard yeah and there's like kind of an embankment that goes like a straight drop yeah about probably maybe 20 feet yeah and then it's like briar patch yeah, and just, thick, just like i mean woods. of course like how do and you there was one there? little one little bear patch that he was in yeah but the rest of it was just so it was, wooded it was impossible yeah it was like a human being can't even go down there. Yeah. But unless, guess what? <laughs> unless, unless. <laughs> unless they're cogent. <laughs> you did. You just booked. You just hit it. You just yeah. went. I mean, you basically fell down yeah, there because yeah, it's yeah. just steep. Got down there. Yeah, and I had to get on my belly, right? So, like, I'm kind of crawling on my belly under these, like, thorns. And, I mean, it was literally, like, blackberry bushes and yeah. chaperone. I mean, it was so thick yeah. that, like, I, I, could, I couldn't even get on all fours. It was, like, on my belly. And, of course, any time I get within 15 feet of the cat, what would he do? Turn around and run, run away. Yeah. But he knew, right? Like, he was – he kind of had this sort of internal conflict. He was like, I need help. The humans are yes. here to help me. Yes. But they're but I, scary. But I'm scared. I'm, I'm scared. Here. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I mean, cats always do that. Cats do that on a good day. Like, pet me, no, don't. Pet me, no, don't. Yeah. This guy was like, rescue me, no, don't. Yeah. Rescue me, no, don't. He's like, nope, yeah. they've come to kill me. I'm out. Yeah. Wait, I need help. And so he was having this sort of like dilemma. And in the meantime, I'm like on my belly crawling after him. And so I just kind of like reached in and pulled out the nutritional yeast and started just, for whatever reason, kind of sprinkling it around yeah. everywhere and it got his attention yeah so he kind of like turned around and came at me finally because i think he was really hungry I mean, who knows how long yeah. he'd been there yeah and he smelled the nutritionally so he kind of came turned around came in my direction and then passed me up in the other direction where i had sprinkled some nutritionalies and he sat and he started just like licking it off the ground mm. and the dirt and that's when i was like okay so now he knows i'm a friend mm -hmm. and so then we did that for another few minutes you know me crawling on my belly him like help me no don't help me no yeah. don't <laughs> and then finally uh he started to scurry up a tree and that's kind of where i yeah. knew i had yeah. him yeah yeah, there was so this tree was very diagonal. It was kind of like going it's along forty five degree angle. I yeah, think. and it was yeah. going and it was going along the embankment that went up yeah, yeah. to where I was, up where the sidewalk was. So the tree was kind of running along that, uh, whatever that that side embankment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but so he scurried up the tree, and you went after I'm him. I'm like, okay, so we're gonna climb trees now. Yeah, so I. I <laughs> <laughs> of course, he got higher and higher and higher and higher. And I get about, I don't know, like 20, 30 feet up in this tree. And this is kind of a rickety tree, too. Like, yeah. it's not like a sturdy... But But it wasn't 20 feet off the ground. Like, if you had fallen, you would have fallen onto that side thing that was only about five feet. Oh, maybe that's how it looked to you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it made it look like I would die. <laughs> Fall in the thorn bushes. But uh, maybe I just think of myself as heroic. But... Well, you were in this very, oh, very heroic. Maybe note. a little. <laughs> So I climbed up this tree and uh, he got to a point where he just couldn't go any further and he's just crying and crying yeah. and crying. And I reached out 
And I grabbed him by his like, what's that called? Like his haunches. No, no, oh. I grabbed his hips. Oh, that's like right, his back. His back. Yeah. And I grabbed him and I flipped him upside down because like he's a, tiny. No other way of doing it. Kitten. Yeah. And he went from cat into in distress to demon cat real quick. Yeah. And his ears pinned back, as his paws opened up, and he took he, a slash at me too, right? He got he, like yeah, a no, he was like hissing. Yeah. And slashing, and he slashed yeah. at your face, but he got your neck. Yeah. So yeah. I <laughs> but I managed to grab him and climb down the tree and then bring him up to Hope. And then when I had, I had, luckily there was a towel in the car I, uh, that you had brought. So I found that towel and immediately you just put him right in the towel. I wrapped him in the towel and we got in the car and I sat, I sat him in my lap and he was purring and biscuits, <laughs> you know, that uh, where they're kneading the dough, like biscuits, his little paws. I mean, he just immediately, like we, we laughed that he went from demon cat yeah. to like, oh, purr and biscuits and yeah, I'm yeah. okay now. So that's like an inside joke for us, like going from demon cat to biscuits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In a matter of seconds. Yeah. In a matter of seconds, like, he realized. Change the mood. Yeah, he, he just knew, realized. He knew, we, he were knew we were friends. He knew he was safe. So that was really was precious. Yeah. yeah, that was precious. Uh, I wish we could have we could have kept him. We yeah, should we were, have kept well, him. Well, we were renting back then. We were renting yeah. and we were unstable. Yeah. We weren't sure how long we were going to be. We might needed have needed to move. Yeah, so, uh, we, couldn't so we couldn't keep but him. But we always imagined he's got a nice home now. Yes. People who love him. He yes. sure was he, sweet. He, we took him to the shelter and he got adopted. So Little Frankie. Frankie, wherever you are, your original parents still love you. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, the third story is this one is not a rescue story. Well, no. Which one? Which one? The bear. The bear in Tahoe. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I know I know of at least two more after the bear. But okay, tell me the bear. Oh, one. What, what were you thinking of? Oh, I thought you were going to go Kakuta. Oh, Kakuta. I've told Kakuta's story on the podcast. Well, you I... haven't heard it from my perspective. Oh well. <laughs> Okay, let me tell you. Let me tell you my version of the Kukuta story. Okay. Um, well, and just just so people know, and I'll actually maybe put it in the show notes. I already told the story of us rescuing this rooster, Kukuta. Uh, and by us, she means her. Yeah, I I rescued him, but then I brought him home, and you got and you took care of him and got yeah, to know him too. Yeah, yeah. So I'll put that the longer story in the show notes. But did you want to say something? Well, the only thing I would say is just how crazy it was that you just drove home one day and you had this giant chicken like in a cardboard <laughs> box in your car and he was covered in blood with his like eyeball looking like it was gonna fall out of his head yeah and, and once again it was like what's the plan yeah <laughs> you know nobody want he was a rooster so nobody wanted him no rescues could take him and yeah. so we brought him in the backyard and nursed him to health and he ended up being really really sweet but it's just one of those moments where it's, again, it's that same sort of impulse where you're in this situation. If you stop and think about it, you don't act. Right. But sometimes your heart takes over and your heart impels you in a way that your rational mind couldn't. And yeah. I think that's what happened with your um, with your little chicken. Yeah. You know? yeah, no, it's true. I, I realized at there was a moment where I realized that his life was in my hands. There was, I mean, I it was like with Frankie. I couldn't walk away. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, at that moment, it, I was going to be the deciding factor if that animal lived or died. You know, like bloody chicken in the car it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I had no choice. I mean, there's just no choice yeah. at that point. I, I, I don't know about others, but I can't walk away, you know. So, I, yeah, I think yeah. it's the best in humanity. I think all of us have that in us. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, we do. And we talked about that actually in our book, uh, in The Ultimate Betrayal, how when someone's driving down the side of the road and they see an animal in distress, our impulse, our instinct is to help. We want to help that animal. We don't think of dinner. I believe our, our true nature is compassion, empathy. We want to help. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can have a philosophical debate on whether human beings have a essence or not, but I believe they do, and I believe that our essence is good. I think that we are defined uh, more by our highest ideals than we are by our failings to meet those ideals. I think our ideals are what define humanity. Yeah, kind of uh, like how we are, you know, striving to cause no harm, and even being vegan, of course, it's not perfection. You know, there's things that that we do daily that are that cause harm, uh, but we're striving. That that's our ideal. Our ideal is compassion and and complete nonviolence. Yeah, we're all impelled as humans to, to as beings, living beings, to try to be as happy as possible. Yeah. But I think with humanity, we get a little confused about what that source of happiness is. And once we discover that our truest happiness comes from helping others, kind of, which is what our stories here are illustrating, is how much joy that's brought to us, just yeah. the small act of saving a, a, an animal's life, you know, as soon as we discover that the true source of happiness is in helping others, that's when we're really able to achieve what we've been looking for all along, and that's happiness. And yeah. I think in that sense, we can see that humanity is essentially good. Mm. I love that. I love that. Okay, so let's talk about the next story, the fourth animal that we have helped along our journey together. Uh, and this, and again, this one wasn't necessarily a rescue. It was more just helping this animal, and it was a bear in Tahoe. So this was really recently. This was just this summer, right? Yeah, just a few months ago. Just a few months ago. Maybe six months ago. Yeah, yeah. And less than that, I think, because it was the summer. And uh, we were taking a trip to Tahoe. Uh, Tahoe, we're very lucky to be very near Lake Tahoe now. And it's so beautiful. And we found this lovely hike that we love, up Rainbow Trail or what was it? Rainbow Road. I don't know where we are. Anyway, we took our hike and we were driving around the lake. And there's a road that, you know, circles the lake that is very busy, actually. Often there's a lot of traffic, but it's just a one one lane, one side, you know, whatever, two lanes of traffic. And there's some commotion ahead. Like there's something, every everybody's going really slow and, and there's some kind of something happening. And all these people are like kind of pointing and I look up and there's a bear just like right there. She was, couldn't have been more than 20 feet up. Uh, it was kind of like there was an, um, a little hill on the side of the road, a little bit of a, gra- a grade, and she was up at the top of this hill, really close. Yeah, there was like a there was like a fence that was about three feet high, like you know one of those rustic looking right, wood log a, fences or whatever. Yeah, and she had her front paws on. The, yeah, she was up on the fence. Yeah. Her front paws were on the fence, and she was kind of crying. She, she was, was yeah, she, she was, was like crying. she was going crying, and it was like, what's going on? She was, again, looking for somebody who could translate bear into human. <laughs> Who's got the animal universal translator? <laughs> well, this is the magic to me of this whole story, is the way she singled you out. I mean, there were a thousand people there. Everybody's gathering around. People got cameras. 
you know, we're surrounded by cars as it is, as it is but she was specifically looking at you. Well, we had, I, that's how I saw it. That's how I saw it. So we had pulled, we had pulled up and we were right and I, and she, we were right in front of her and I had rolled down my window and I could just see her. And I was like, what does she need? Yeah, well, What's once, going once on? Once we saw that there was a bear calling out, that's when we like kind of stopped the brakes and tried yeah. to stop traffic again, or yeah. at least we just stopped moving. We stopped we moving. there was something weird going we on We knew there, there was something going on. And I just, I couldn't figure out what was happening because it was obvious she was in distress. And I was like, is, does she, is she rabid? Does she want to attack someone? What's going on? You know, it was kind of like unclear. And then I saw somebody pointing to the other side of the road and you saw them first. You said, there's cubs. There's yeah, cubs. Yeah. There's two cubs over yeah, there. Yeah. And, um, baby bears. yeah, there were baby bears on the other side of the road. And she'd been separated from her cubs because of the traffic. That's right. Somehow and she crossed and they didn't, or they crossed and she and didn't. And there was no way of rectifying it. And of course, and there were so many cars now. They would get hit by the cars yeah. if they tried to get to their mom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, as soon as you said, there's cubs, you were like, look, that's what she wants. There's cubs. I jumped out of the car. I was like, okay, that's it. Pull over, pull over, stop the car. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. I mean, that was kind of scary for me, like to see you get out of the car. I mean, I was, cause I mean, I think what I first We're said really was, close to this I, bear. <laughs> I think you said I'm getting out of the car and I said, no, you're not. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's <laughs> I mean, right. No, I'm <laughs> we're, we're 20 feet uh, uh, away, away from, from this a bear. very upset, upset bear, bear yeah. who's looking at you you yeah <laughs> and making you know some pretty distressed sounds and i did not want you getting out there and getting with this bear who's clearly very upset yeah. so i was yeah. kind of yeah. resistant to the idea. yeah no that's true i remember i was like i should get out i need to get out and, and help and you were like don't get out of the car <laughs> you were like I was no scared. yeah you're like you know i could tell you felt it was da a dangerous which it probably was it was probably dangerous <laughs> uh but as soon as the cubs as soon as i realized what was going on? What needed to happen? I think that's when you kind of like realize that there, it wasn't malice. Like she exactly, was, she, was she just wanted help. her cubs. She wanted help. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm getting out. And I jumped out of the car. I was, I, I didn't want you to have to talk me out of it again, or to try to talk me out of it again. I jumped out. And I ran in front of the car and then started stopping the other side of traffic. Because yeah, our right. car was stopping one the that's one right. side. Yeah. But I started stopping the other side yeah. of traffic. And luckily, a woman with a bike, once again, yeah. the wonderful helper. Yeah. You know, it's like when you're the initiator, yeah, yeah. there's people that will step up and yeah, help. Yeah, yeah. It's such yeah, a beautiful yeah. thing there's to like see. There's like 1% right? of the population that's the initiator. But it's like 30% of the population that will actually be the helpers. Will help, right. right. Yeah, exactly. Be the initiator. Right. Exactly. There's more people on your side than you realize. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so beautiful. So I was trying to stop the traffic. The gal, she saw what was happening too. And she brought her bike yeah. out right to me. And she stopped the other side of traffic with her bike, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was great. And then we just waited and, and everybody was kind of like, it got kind of quiet. I remember we were all like, we knew what was happening. Like everybody that could sense what was happening knew. Well, okay. So now is she going to go like to the, the Cubs? Drama, is the, the Cubs going to go? Yes. Are the Cubs going to come to her. What's going to happen. And you know, what happened is her call changed. I heard it change. Her call went from distress to like, okay, come to here. like, okay, come here. <laughs> it was amazing. It really was. When she saw what was happening, when she saw, and I looked at her, I was like, you're good. Get your babies. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. And her call went from, oh, oh, to more like, oh, 
Oh, you know, it was like it was like come how, how did that go again? A <laughs> roo. <laughs> Since you speak beer, clearly, I do. I mean. <laughs> and those little cubs, they immediately just ran across the street, uh, got back with their mom. Everything was good. I think you forgot one small detail. What? What? Well, I jumped out of the car and got out there and started chasing them. I, I, I got, oh, did you? Yeah, I, I circled around. Oh, that's true. Them. You started going around to try yeah, to kind of, yeah, right, yeah. to kind of. I don't know if I did a lot of good. But well, I think they were already uh, on their way. That's what I was trying. Well, was trying good to, job. I Thank tried. Thank you. You tried to help. Participation points. points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so the Cubs ran across the street, ran up the hill to their mom. Their mom gave them little, you know, nose little nose touches and they ran and off they together and they were gone and oh whew, I was so, again my heart was so warmed and so you know just full of love to know that we did it once again we stopped traffic <laughs> <laughs> and saved the animals uh, I guess actually it is similar to the rabbit story it wasn't really a rescue it's a what well, I think that? the element of danger is a little different. Like with the with the rabbit, it was dangerous because the traffic was, was so was fast. Kill us. And, yeah, yeah. But with this, with this one, it was like the yeah. bear was maybe going to maul you. Yeah, Actually, I, I thought it was. I mean, that's why I was like, "Don't get out of the car." Right, right. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I guess I'll jump in front of seventy mile an hour traffic, but getting in front of an upset bear, I'm yeah. not a big fan of that. Yeah, you know? yeah. I was scared. I was scared. <laughs> but you again just jumped right in. But I think you really had that sort of knack, that sort of intuition that empathy to be able to say hear what she was saying like you yeah. knew what she was saying yeah. you could tell that it wasn't an angry like i'm ready to start taking out some tourists kind of yeah. gal. <laughs> it, was, it was more like hey could somebody help me get my cubs please like yeah. you were able to yeah. realize that that's what it was yeah. you know and i mean you know even the way you describe her change in tone you know like it was amazing tuned to that yeah. yeah that's that i think that that is really the the whole point is that this little rabbit on the freeway is significant, significant enough yeah. for us to risk our lives yeah, yeah. to save this rabbit. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it was significant enough that his life was that important uh, to me, to you, uh, to several people that helped. You know, it's like we need to get to that point where all life is that precious and that sacred that you take the time, you do whatever you can to save that life. Yeah, and when you see another animal in suffering, the distinction between human life and animal life just kind of disappears. You don't see it. All you see is suffering. Mm, yeah. You're suffering, yeah. like difficulty, heartache. Like you relate. You know how that feels to be in a difficult situation and to want help. Yeah. And I think that that's the moment where there is no multiple species. There's really just life, compassion, yeah. and action. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, this was really, really wonderful and fun to there was, there was reminisce. One, there was one yep. more that was really, really profound for me. Oh, okay. I don't think we we weren't the main players in it. I mean, we were just kind of helping. They're helping. Are you talking about Turlock? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's interesting. Maybe it's not. But what was fascinating to me about that one? Well, let's maybe give a little background about what it was. Do you want to tell? I think you know better than I, okay, but well, I think it's... There was, uh, there was an egg farm uh, out in Turlock, California. This was years ago, seven, eight years ago. And uh, the farm had gone out of business, run out of money or whatever, and they just stopped feeding the birds. And someone discovered or reported to someone that there were birds starving that hadn't had food and water for like, you know, a week 
in this building. And there was like, you know, whatever, 20,000, 30,000 birds that were starving to death in this building. And so Animal Place, uh, Animal Rescue in that area in Grass Valley, sent the word out for help. People came from all around uh, to help rescue as many as we could. I mean, we, they, they led us into the building and were letting us just take yeah, as were, many as we could out. There were animal activists and organizations from like all over the Bay Area. Yeah, it's true. It wasn't it was only Animal Place. There was a lot. And, and, and I remember they sent us to go. They had run out of crates. Yeah. They had filled up yeah. all the crates they had in that moment. And they sent us into town yep. looking for cardboard Remember boxes, boxes. Yeah. and we were like behind liquor stores looking for cardboard yeah. boxes to put birds in yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was really profound to me just to see well first of all you know having been a vegan for 20 years at that point I, I'd never really like been in a in a facility like that mm. and to actually be there so we spent like the entire day somebody inside the the facility handing crates of chickens out and then we were kind of carrying them to the various different vehicles that would then drive them away to different sanctuaries. Right. But the thing that really kind of struck me the most was these were birds that had never been outside. They'd never seen sun. They'd never touched the earth. They'd never scratched. And it was really this like sort of eerie thing where there would be hundreds of birds that we'd like set on the, there was like the small gravel, small pebble gravel that we, where we were all parked and we were doing all this. And the birds would get set down on this gravel in the crates. And there was this like really eerie sound of, you know, hundreds of chickens pecking the dirt like they do to get the pebbles because that was an instinct that had been denied to them. Yeah, it was the first time they had ever had ground under them. And there's something to peck. Yeah, yeah. There's something really profound about that. Like a being who had never been able to express even their most basic needs for the first time, the sort of frenzy of like, you know. Uh, it was really, really, that to me is, is what I remember the most about it was that, and then, you know, you know, seeing everybody working together and just how every, we were all kind of really just sharing in this moment. And um, I don't know, it was, it was a pretty profound moment for me to kind of really see, again, humanity at its best, you know, animal activists are really the best of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, these are the people who, like, they, they do everything to help the less fortunate you know, the animals were overlooked by other forms of altruism, you know, and that's why I really am always very moved, but it's very nice to be amongst those people and to see that all happening. Um, and then there was like a documentary made on it. There too, was, right? there's was a documentary that? called Turlock. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's, and so, you know, if anybody wants to see that, I'll maybe put a link to that uh, film in the show notes. Turlock about that rescue. Yeah, it was huge. And I think we ended up rescuing hundreds, hundreds yeah, of birds. Yeah. From that. Well, it was fun to follow up for the next weeks after that, and you see where they had all gotten placed, mm -hmm. and people were posting about what their what the birds were like, yeah. and you know they were kind of recovering from all of that, and it was pretty profound to even be part of that or to witness that yeah. for both aspects to see how horrible the facilities actually are. You know, yeah. I mean, I, what I remember about that facility was all you know all the waste was just somehow draining under the building. The building itself was up about four feet and there was like four or five feet under the building where all that, it was just oh. this, the most disgusting smell. Yeah. All the liquid waste was just under the building somehow yeah. and it just stuck. Well, anybody inside had to be in a full like hazmat suit. Yeah, the people that were going in were totally in ventilators and everything. Like, well, wait a minute, if you've got to like wear a hazmat suit to go in there, what's it like for the birds? Well, that was a pretty harrowing one. 
It's always one step closer to liberation for all of them when we care about one, we care about 20, we care about 200. Eventually we will care about them all and be able to rescue them all, I hope. Well, this has been really fun. I've loved having you on. It's been, it's interesting because, you know, I get very nervous about this podcast every time, every time I do the podcast, whether it's me, especially when I am interviewing a guest, I get very, you know, I'm, I'm so nervous about it. I want it to be so good, you know, all of that. But this has been so fun. Like I've just been so <laughs> casual. It's just us sitting here talking like we always do. So that's been great. I've really enjoyed uh, doing this with you so much. Yeah, it's kind of been like bring your husband to work day. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and I want to have you on again. We're going to we're going to do this again and we're going to talk about your specialty of religion and eastern religions and uh, veganism and animal rights. So we'll get into that. Thanks for being on Kojin. All right. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Of course. Um, I love you. I love you too. I hope that makes it on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Hope for the Animals podcast. So I want to say that listening to this episode, I I don't think I gave Kojin the credit that he deserved really for the rescue of Frankie the kitten. It was it was so heroic how he just jumped into action and somehow got down that really steep embankment with the brush and briars. I mean, I thought we were going to have to get like firemen in protective gear with special equipment to get to that kitten. But Kojin just busted down that hill in just pants and a t-shirt and crawled under the brush and climbed up that tree. I mean, it really was. It was heroic for sure. And I fell in love with him all over again, as I do every day. So I definitely want to have Kojin on again in the new year to talk about his specialty, which is Eastern religions and veganism and animal ethics, of which he knows a great deal and has some really, really amazing insight. And we've also, over the years, come up with philosophies, uh, he and I. Uh, Visceral veganism is one of them. Hypocrisy versus complacency is another. So we'll get into all that. So stay tuned for next year's episodes, and I'm sure that we will have Kojin on again. And just a reminder, as I said in the beginning, I will be taking the month of January off from the podcast, and I'll be back in action early February. If you enjoyed this episode, please scroll down on your listening app and give us a five-star rating. Maybe share this episode with a friend or on your social media. Your support and love is so appreciated. I really hope that you have wonderful holidays, however you celebrate, and I hope that they're filled with love and warmth and vegan hot cocoa. (laughs) So please Include compassion in your celebrations and live vegan.